I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a wonderful week. This week's shir is sponsored by Dr. Jeffrey and Mrs. Chani Kamenetsky of Wesley Hills, New York. In the Schus Ili Neshama of Leah Bas Yehuda and Shlomo Ben Yosef, may the Neshamas have an Aliyah. Additionally, we'd like to thank our corporate sponsors, the Hassan Zaltz Law Firm, Bluestone Brokerage, and Meridian Senior Health. If you're looking for a way to spread Torah in honor of a loved one or in merit of a Rafuah Shlema or whatever it may be, here's a great opportunity to sponsor the publication, to sponsor the podcast, which Baruch Hashem is seen by many. All you have to do is reach out to 845-367-2959. We will definitely find something that will fit in your budget, that will fit within your requirements and needs. So pick up the phone, give us a call, and let's make this happen. So in this week's parsha, Parsha's boy, we continue and conclude the ten makas, how Mitzrayim was smote with all different sorts of terrible plagues, how Parah's heart was hardened every single time until finally Makas Bechiris, he relented, and Klaisal was zeichet to Chris Yamsuf. The pasuk tells us in Perak Yud Aleph, pasuk Beis and Gimel. Tell the people, Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu to tell Klal to borrow each man from his fellow and each woman from her fellow, objects of silver and gold. Hashem will grant the people favor in the eyes of Egypt. And Moshe himself was much esteemed in the land of Egypt among Parai and among the people. So what was going on over here was on Leil Yudalad of Nisan, on the eve of the 14th of Nisan, immediately following the plague of darkness of Cheshech, Moshe Rabbeinu received a prophecy regarding the upcoming Makkah of Makkah's Pecheris. And Moshe Rabbeinu was told that in his fulfillment of the promise he made to Avram Avinu, the Brisbane of Sarim, that all the Jews will permanently borrow silver and gold vessels from their Egyptian oppressors. This all happened in Parak Aleph, and as we turn a Perak later to Perak Bez, the Pasuk tells us, that this directive actually became a reality, as the Pasuk tells us in Perak Yudbeis, Pasuk Lamed Hey, This actually happened. And Kla Yisrael borrowed from the Egyptians objects of silver and gold and clothing. These psukim seem very innocent, seem like there's nothing earth-shattering going on in them, nothing hidden, nothing that's going to catch us off guard. But asks the Vilna Gain, a startling, puzzling kasha. Says the Vilna Gain, look at the words of the Pasuk. Back in Perak Yudalf, the Pasuk says, Daber no This is going back to the stage when it was just a prophecy, when Hashem was telling what's going to happen. Hashem said, That each man will borrow from his fellow Egyptian, these vessels, and each lady, each woman, will do the same from her fellow Egyptian. The Egyptians were our friends. This is the term, this is the description, this is the relationship we have with our tormentors, with our oppressors, with the people that bathed in the blood of our infants, with the people that all they wanted is to annihilate us, is to destroy us, wipe us off the face of the map. How is it possible that the Torah refers to the Mitzrim as Re'ehu, as our fellows? If the emotional aspect of this question isn't compelling enough, the going backs up this question from the Gemara Bavakama, Daflaman Zayan Mabez. The mission over there learns out from the Pasuk of Shorei Ehu, which means the ox of your friend, that liability for damages caused by one's ox applies only if the damages are done 
to the ox of another Jewish-owned ox. However, the Mishnah says, if it's owned, if the ox is owned by a Gentile, by a guy, then the Yid is exempt. If his shar, if his ox goes and gores a Gentile-owned ox, then we learn that from the Pasuk of Shorei Ehu, which means the shar of our friend, of our fellow, that specifically to that kind of person, to Re Ehu, only then is one liable to pay. However, if it's not Re Ehu, if it's not our fellow, if it's not one of our own kind, if it's not another Yid, one is Pater, one is exempt from payment. So not only is it an emotional kasha, we see in the Gemara and Bavakama, halachically, a guy doesn't have the status of Re'ehu. A guy is not considered our fellow. So coming back to our question, how could it be that the Torah refers to the Mitzrim who were going to borrow these vessels and clothing from? How are they referred to as Re'ehu? Obviously the Torah isn't contradicting itself. So if so, there must be a different understanding. There must be a different pshat in the Psukim. Says the Vilna Goin, a Goinish Abshat, Mamish, an incredible genius insight that definitely would be overlooked and not apparent from the basic reading of the Psukim. But as you'll see, this has to be the Pshat. Says the Vilna Goin, that in Parakid Aleph, in the prophecy stage, when Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbein what's going to happen, indeed, it was not referring to the Mitzrim. Hashem wasn't telling Moshe Rabbeinu that you're going to go ahead tomorrow and borrow from the Egyptians. That can't be, because the Egyptians, the oppressors, the tormentors, they are not our friends, as we've seen from the Gemara Bavakam as well. Rather, says the Vilna Gain, the Pshat is, Vishalu Ishme Israel is referring to one man from his fellow friend, from another Yid. Even in the situation that Klaisal was in, they had to find some act of kindness, some act of chesed, that they'd be able to bestow on their friend. Why? Because in order to activate Oilam Chesidibana, says the Vilna Gain, in order to get there, in order to reach the boundless Shefa of kindness, in order that the Mitzrim, the following day, should be able to shower Klaisol with all of their possessions and valuables, gold and silver. In order for that to happen, first Klaisol, the Jews themselves, had to make the first step, had to make the first move. And that was going to be with their own acts of kindness, their own acts of chesed. So Hashem said 24 hours prior to the actual event, to the actual Metzies Mitzrayim, Hashem said, right now is the time. Each man to his friend, each lady to her friend. Go find something, go do some act of kindness to your friend. And by this virtue, you're going to trigger in Shemayim that by tomorrow things will be set for the kindness to be reciprocated and for you to walk out with the promise that was promised to Avraham Avinu. They will go out, that you're going to go out with gold and silver. And not only will these presents be given to Klaisol reluctantly and begrudgingly against their will, but says the Arachayim, the Mitzrim are going to force, literally force feed the suitcases of Klaisol before they leave and just stuff them with all of their possessions, all of their gold and silver. But says the Gain, the only way they would be able to be Zeichet to that, to get to that level for this all to happen, is only when they make the first step first, when they initiate. And when that happens, then everything else can unfold. Now, while this is a beautiful pshat, and this has to be the pshat on the pesukim, because re'eu can't mean the mitzrim; it must mean our own people, another yid. So we have pshat on the pesukim. But the Goyen is telling us that somehow Klal Yisrael was supposed to do chesed for each other in Mitzrayim 24 hours before Kriyas Yamsuf, before Yitzias Mitzrayim. But what do they have? They had nothing. They were beaten to a pulp. They were tired. They were bent out of shape. They were tortured. They had no ruach. They had no spirit left within them. They were just excited to get out. 
So what possible chesed can one yid bestow to the other? They didn't have anything. They didn't have any food. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any resources. They didn't have bread. They didn't have, they didn't have their own bricks to build the cities for Paris. So where were they supposed to come up with things to share, with things to give? They didn't have meat boards. They didn't have cars. They didn't have, didn't have anything. They didn't have herring. They didn't have schnapps to stell out of Kiddush. There was absolutely nothing. So what possible kindness, what act of chesed could they have done one with another? To answer this question, a strong question, a good question, one that has to be addressed, I think perhaps we can reference the story that Rav Shlomo Kabach tells over the encounter he once had with the Holy Hunchback. Rav Shlomo Kabach recounts a personal encounter sharing his meeting with the Holy Hunchback that goes as follows. He said, I once went to Israel and met a hunchback sweeping the streets of Tel Aviv. And he mentioned he's from Piasetsna. I was thrilled. I always wanted to meet someone from there. So Rav asked him, Did you ever see Rav Shlomo Miskalman of Piasetsna? And the hunchback replied, Of course. I was in his yeshiva from the age 5 until 11. And Rav Shlomo inquired about Shabbos and Piasetsna. He wanted to hear all about it. He wanted to hear about the, the Kedusha, the holiness, what it was like. What was it like being with the Rebbe, Rav Shlomo Miskalman? And the hunchback replied, he told him as follows, he told Rabbi Shlomo, those Shabbosim were surreal, they were extraordinary, they were in a different sphere, they were literally celestial, out of this world. And the Tomashiach, there will never be such Shabbosim again. He said, just picture hundreds of young people pouring out their hearts, singing Shalom Aleichem. He said, there definitely will never be such Shabbosim until Mashiach. He said, the meals were so good, so holy, they were literally higher than paradise. And then Rabbi asked, Do you remember any teachings of Torah? Do you remember any of the Torah that the Rebbe said? And the street cleaner said, After being in Auschwitz for so many years, you don't remember much. But one thing stands out. He said the Rebbe would speak between the courses, between the fish and the meat, and the meat and the dessert, and after and before the meal. And after each speech, the Rebbe would always conclude with the following. He said, Kindelach, Gedenkshoin, the greste Zach in the Welt, is to tut fayanem My dear children, Always remember, the greatest thing in the world is to do a good deed for another. And he would say this over and over throughout the meal. And of course, the war happened. The street cleaner carried on. And he recounted that he lost everything in Auschwitz. He lost his entire family. He lost his Rebbe. He said, I had mamish nothing. The pin was too great to bear. And there were so many times where I wanted to end my life. And every time I was on my way to do so, my Rebbe, the Piazzetzin's voice, would echo in my head. My heart and spirit would be lifted and even in Auschwitz, the opportunity to do for others was unbelievable. He continued to see everyone walked around with throbbing pain, loss, and desire not to be living. All their pain was bottled up inside, unable to be shared, because everyone else couldn't bear to hear their story while going through their own. But said the street cleaner, I was different. I knew this would be an opportunity where I can fulfill my Rebbe's words, where I can fulfill his directive. And when these people with the heavy hearts with the pain and brokenness on their face, literally palpable. He said they would come to me, I would welcome them, I would invite them to talk, and I would just sit and listen, listen to the pain and loss of others despite my own at a 10 or 11 years old. And this invigorated me and filled me with purpose to live until that feeling dissipated. And then I'd want to end my life again. And then again, like a vicious cycle, just as I would do that, I would hear my Rebbe's voice echo again in my mind, and I would lift myself up again, and go find other things that I can do for others. That's how I lived my life in Auschwitz through the war. And finally I ended up in Tel Aviv. I came to the shores of Israel. I came to Tel Aviv all alone knowing I lost everything and I had literally nothing. The pain was often too great to bear. 
And he continued, I would go to the beach, to the shore of Tel Aviv, trying to end my life. And my feet were all the way in the water until once again, my Rebbe's voice echoed in my mind. Kinder, the Zach is to tut The greatest thing possible is to do for Yanim, to do for your fellow Jew. And he said, although the Nazis took everything away, killed my family, killed my friends, killed my Rebbe, tortured me, beat me into a deformed hunchback, and I literally have nothing. But as long as I come back to clean the streets, a place where I can constantly do for others, they will not win. For I am doing the greatest thing possible. That's the end of the story. That's the story of the Holy Hunchback. And I believe that its message is so powerful, so potent, it's so relevant. This ties back to the Vilna Gain, who says that Kali saw they were doing chesed of each other even in Mitzrayim. The question was, what type of chesed? What do they have? The answer is, like the street cleaner, they found something, whether it was a smile, whether it was a hug, whether it was a tefillah for someone else, whatever it may be. But the objective is tot fayanim There's an infinite amount of ways to do for others. It doesn't have to be with money. It doesn't have to be with objects. It doesn't have to be with doing anything. It can be with a silent prayer. It can be with a gesture. It can be anything, as long as it's fayanim. And as we're going through this war, we're still schlepping through, we're still being beaten, and we're losing Tyra Eden, Tyra Breather every day. The pain is so strong, so deep. But if you can learn, if you can learn from the minig of our forefathers, from what they did during their Mitzayim, during their Gehenim, right before the liberation, they were busy doing Chesed. Hopefully, if we increase in our Chesed, we increase our sensitivity and our relationship and kindness for others, it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be big. They don't even have to know. Hashem knows. May our increase and our desire to do better and more for others, help others, enhance our achtos, its true sense of the word, to be ma'achid, to really feel it. it. doesn't have to be that one is wearing a shayama and one has a gun on his shoulder. It could be our neighbor. It could be our friend. Our spouse, our kids, our cousin. The options are endless. There's so many relationships, people that we can do for, that we can daven for, that we can do kindness for. And like Kali Saul was redeemed in the schos of doing kindness for each other, as we see in the Psokim, it was Vishalu Ishmeis Re'eyu. That was what was needed in order for the Mitzrim to bestow kindness onto the Yidin, which was right before Yitzhak Mitzrayim. May we exhibit the same thing. May we do for others, think about others. Tracht Fayanim, Tut Fayanim which is the grass of Zach and the Welt. And may we see Yeshuas v'nechamis and be nigal redeemed from this terrible gallus, from this terrible war. And be zeich to m'sheich t'edkenu b'mher v'menu. Amen. I thank each and every one of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And I wish you all a wonderful Shabbos.